everybody. Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. How often do you think you'll sneeze this episode? Um, uh, probably as about as many times as you mentioned your book. <laughs> no. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Oh my God. You're going to sneeze. I'll mention my book. Um, <laughs> I forgot to take my antihistamine and I'm, I'm, uh, I think this is a sneezy corner. I was seriously fine all day, which is why I forgot. Cause if I'm sneezing, I don't forget. And then, um, as soon as I sit down in this corner where I record, I'm all sneezes, but you know what? There used to be a cat that lived in this room and maybe it just wasn't, <laughs> you, you have like movement. ghost cats, like, like the, like, cause they actually like people that are really allergic to cats. Not that I think you are, but people that are really allergic to cats, like walk into a room. There's like, there's a cat. Like, you know what I mean? Like they instantly. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder. If yeah. But I bet she left her dander all over my room, you know, cause That's like, what I'm saying. yeah, the vacuums here they they make the noise but they don't actually suck anything up so. <laughs> they're vacuums pretending to do stuff all in uk <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um it could be that it could just be that i'm picking up on i don't know i don't know what it is which, but i get really which makes which makes that ad that we saw years ago on the tube that giant mealy ad because you know there's a there's um the vacuum cleaner company with my last name you know you know, yeah. my great, great grandparents, the vacuum clean cleaners. Um, but remember it was this huge ad uh, in the tube station and it just said monster suck. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, yeah. I remember I, po I posed in front of it. Cause I was like, that's my family. Do you think we could get them to sponsor us because of your last name? And plus I, I did need reach, vacuum. <laughs> I, I, and they're expensive vacuums. These are like $2,000 vacuums. You're like, who has $2,000 for something that I isn't fun? I can't wait to be that. Dude, I can't wait to be $2,000 vacuum rich. Um, but yeah, they're like, they're like high and, and all, they're basically an appliance company. So I think they have like, you know, uh, stoves and, and dishwashers and stuff, but they're, they're high end appliances. I wrote to them. So me and my sister, Emily had um, the Mealy sisters variety show in uh, Brooklyn and eventually Manhattan. This is over five years ago. We did it for like a year and a half. And I reached, we, we were looking for like sponsors or whatever. Um, I reached out to Johnny Cupcakes. He didn't sponsor us, but he gave us a bunch of swag. So we just gave away Johnny cool. Cupcake swag. So yeah, he was really cool. I've always been a really big fan. Johnny it's Cupcake a, himself? Johnny Cupcake himself. He, it was, um, he has a really cool story. He basically has, um, he was in a band and then he would sell merch that he made uh, from the band in his car and the merch would sell better than the band did. And then eventually, and his nickname was like Johnny Cupcakes or something. So eventually he just, developed uh, a store like and everything's cupcake cupcake themed i have a bunch of his shirts but they're like huge now they have a bunch of storefronts uh they originally used to be online so they, he was really cool i wrote to him he's just like hey here's some stuff um but i wrote to the mealy people and they sh they got back to me and they were they did show some interest but it, because it was just like a live show i also think all they would have to do is google me at this point and they'd be like no thank you <laughs> even well, if feminist expositions didn't take off just how cursy and not PC I am. I just don't think I could ever have corporate sponsorship. We have corporate sponsorship like almost every week. Yeah, but it's like different. These people, All right. are, these are like, they, they sell $2,000 vacuum cleaners. I wanna be okay. wrong. I would love for them oh. to sponsor us. Yeah. If they didn't well, listen, I think they would. Uh, I, I, <laughs> you know what we're gonna get if we don't ask? nothing oh i love this pep talk yeah. <laughs> what does it cost to send an email nothing it's a valid point i will I, I just feel like i'm gonna send an email and i'm gonna be like papa <laughs> let's have a uh let's have like a, a sort of game between the two of us to see who could get like the most sponsors 
Okay, don't, don't, this sounds like what my dad does. I have a game. Let's see who can pick most of the stuff off the floor as fast I'm, as possible. I'm being really inspired by your dad. But like, even when I was like, yeah, but what happens if you don't ask, you get nothing. Like, I feel very much your father right now, but like, oh, the, I'm triggered. We both win when we win. It's incredible. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we talked about post recording. I'm angry. No. <laughs> Mother's Day. Did you wish your mom like a happy Mother's Day? Fuck. Uh, no. Yeah, I did. Of course I did. <laughs> the, U- the UK has a different Mother's Day, which has to be confusing, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's not confusing because I go, this is UK's Mother's Day. My mom doesn't really but it's know like a month. It. It's like a month apart. It's not like one of those things where it's like three days later. You know how like there's a Canadian it's in March. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is so, Mother's Day. Are you cleaning the screen while we're recording? You are there's a huge crazy thumb. right now. I can't stand it. I can't stand it because it's, it's just a big smudge. And all I see is a smudge. I'm trying to talk to you. And just the smudge is like in my face. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> it's done. It's okay. It's... <laughs> um yeah it was I I drove to see my mom for like less than 12 hours but it was nice Mike can I just tell you my favorite part of Mother's Day oh yeah so I I took my older sister uh who has a bunch of kids and is a mom and I took my 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 mother out for coffee in the morning my brother-in-law had something planned for my sister so he's like you can have her from 9 to 10 30 and I was like okay so I pick him up we go get coffee um we're sitting down we're talking a little bit and this woman um, sits down next to us, looks over, and she's like, she's like, Teresa? And Teresa's like, what? And she's like, she's like, we do CrossFit together. But like, you know, nobody's done CrossFit in like a year. And she's like, oh my God. Da, da, da. So they start talking. She ends up talking for a while. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. Happy Mother's Day to you all. And I stand up and I was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And the dirty looks that my mom and my sister gave me made me laugh so hard because I just like I accepted it for all of us as I was I was like whatever my cat is older than all your children I was like I have raised a geriatric <laughs> cat and, and I want full credit but it just well, made you, me laugh. you deserve it because you did raise your siblings also so yeah you really yeah and they turned it. out okay uh but it made like <laughs> for, like, for a nine-year-old having raised them I'd say it turned out superb <laughs> but it made me laugh so hard because it wasn't like Think of like when somebody says something to you and it's not yours to accept, you just don't. I literally accepted on the behalf of everybody. It's like, thank you so much. It's just a bunch thank of mothers. So tired, these bags, oh, these children. You would do that. I'd be like winning an Oscar and you're like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, just I supported her. I supported you really her. did though. She did, she did, she did. <laughs> <laughs> give it, Elizabeth, give it. Um, but it did, it just like, it just made me laugh. And then of course I showed my cat. I was like, do you want to see my babies? And then. I showed my my one cat oh you're a nightmare <laughs> oh I'm a nightmare I'm a full nightmare um there's a woman that had five kids a woman that had three kids and then just a woman that's like changed a diaper a couple of times in 1994 and yeah you're like Carrie Bradshaw like where's my wedding gifts just because I'm not getting married <laughs> you can register <laughs> here fuckers <laughs> I am that person I have really come to the conclusion and I don't mean this in like a a sad way that I've had so many like album tapings and specials that this making people go to something and spend money is it's I've exhausted it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like leave the house, pay for tickets. And like, don't get me wrong. I would like to think my specials and my album recordings are more fun than a wedding. There's alcohol there. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to talk to anybody that is like an aunt from 80 years ago. Like, I just feel like it's, they're not as bad, but I've had, I've had several weddings in that context that it'd be at this point, if I got married, people would be like, dude, I've bought you at least three toasters. Like I can't. Yeah. 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 I know. I agree. Um, but I, it is a good trade-off, you know, come to my oh. show, support my specials, buy my shit. Buy my <laughs> book. <our> Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um should we get into announcements yeah okay patreons patrons you guys are wonderful thank you so much to everybody that supports us you guys are amazing uh we often read your uh patreon comments but if you don't know uh you can get weekly bonuses we do a weekly bonus that comes out every tuesday you can get monthly bonuses that come out at the beginning of the, the month uh you can control our Googles. You can be a Google guest. We just had uh, Khalees as a, a, a Patreon guest. So we have so many um, uh, uh, cool Patreons that have become guests of ours and we got to know you guys better. Um, and then we have stickers, we have everything. So uh, check out our Patreon, become a, 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 um, 
a patron. I, I kind of just exchange those words and it's never gone. Yeah, I don't think anyone notices or cares. So like, as long as a P word comes out, um, no, as long as Patreon-ish word comes out. Mm -hmm. mm. And follow us on the socials. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at two non-doctors, number two, full word doctors. And on Instagram, because someone took two non-doctors, we are two non-DRS. Um, not bitter, not at all. And if you have time, leave us a rating and review. Um, if you like the podcast and you want to help us get seen, help us feel great about ourselves. And uh, we do post them and we get really excited. So um, if you have a minute, get um, uh, on, on Apple Podcasts, give us a rate and review. Uh, my, I just found out my Brooklyn show is sold out, my 9 p.m. Brooklyn show. So we just <laughs> added a second. Um, Woohoo! Yeah, so the 9 p.m. sold out, but we just added a 6.30. So June 5th, 6.30, there's now tickets available uh, if you did not get them. Then Arlington, me and Maria are together, Arlington, Virginia. And then I'm going to be in Cleveland, Detroit, Oklahoma City, uh, Fort Worth, Dallas. It will be in Austin. I'm just not allowed to talk about it yet. Houston, Kansas City, and St. Louis. Uh, most of the ticket links are up on my website. Some, some of the ones that are in the fall, I'm still adding. Night bus is sold out. We do a show. With green. It used to be on a bus. And so somebody wrote to me and they're like, um, okay, but it seats like seven anyway. I was like, no, it's out in the courtyard now. So it's like 10. Okay. But it's sold out. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Night bus is an awesome show. I like hi anybody in the UK, highly recommend it. Just solid, fun vibes. It is a fun show. And the audience is always, and like you're on a bus. <laughs> There's board games. Yeah. It's, it just, um, I feel loose and like I can be silly in myself there. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I, so you can't come to that, but I do have a lot of other London dates. <laughs> Isn't it monthly? And, um, it is, but we haven't planned June yet. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, are we going to be on the bus or continue doing out in the courtyard or if they even want us to come back, you know? Okay. Bunch you of other London dates. Really you just made it sound really dramatic where you're just like, I don't know if we're going to be on the bus or off the bus. There's so many things we have to work out. So many things. <laughs> a uh, bunch of other London dates. And then I'm going to be in Glasgow, Oxford, Nottingham, Birmingham, all the hymns and not all of them, just a few. Um, and uh, Oxford, did I say that? Who knows? Yeah. Just my website has all the dates. What MariaShahada.com. Woo. Um, fam now. Oh shit. I meant to mute that. I meant to mute that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Movie magic um fan mail okay oh so um our fan mail is from uh gary who left it like if you listen to our podcast um aud audibly um he left us a voice memo um on our do that anchor. on anchor yeah on anchor so if you guys want to you know maybe typing's hard for you maybe you're dyslexic like me and you want to leave a voice memo you can absolutely do that at anchor.fm um, and then I think it's slash two non-doctors so that's what gary did he left us a message about cbd and we're going to play that Hi, Liz and Maria. Um, it's Gary from Toronto. I just wanted to call in about the CDB uh, experimenting. I tried uh, marijuana-derived CDB and hemp-derived CDB oil and found that the uh, prescription uh, marijuana-derived CDB oil worked a lot better. And I only needed a low dose of it, so it didn't make me drowsy. Um, Maria, you said also you had problems with that. Um, so... Um, if it's really helped with the anxiety, uh, it takes away the cyclical thinking, which is was a big problem for me, thinking about the same issues like all day, and it's ruining my, <laughs> taking away my chances to relax. So I'd recommend you maybe try that if you have accessibility to prescribed uh, marijuana-derived CDB oil, and it only needed like 0.2 milliliters of this uh, morning and night, and it was like 25 milligrams per milliliter of CDB. So I took a 25 to 1 solution. So try that maybe. I hope that it would work for you. Cheers. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah. Awesome. I learned a lot from, this is why I love our fans. I, I was like, cause, cause when we did the CBD episode, I, I learned from doing the research that there's CBD derived from marijuana and then there's CBD derived from hemp. And I was like, well, what's the difference? And then Gary's like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so I, I find, I love that, that he, I didn't realize that it could be prescribed. And I wonder, I guess my, my like follow-up question is that like, these are like, regular doctors or these are the people that are already prescribing marijuana to like cancer patients and stuff like I guess right, like the marijuana doctors like the guys with yeah the yeah yeah so I guess I especially with like New York like marijuana just became legalized or it's becoming it's on its path to being legalized but I just like 
it's so confusing with the state laws where it's legal in some places, it's not legal in some places. Some places are cool with CBD, some places like, I think New York, you can't, or you used to, you couldn't ship CBD stuff to New York. It's so weird. So I think the barrier from what he was saying to me is, who am I even going to, to get this prescription? Like, I'm like, like, it just gave me more questions, not in a, a, a bad way, Gary. It also gave like realistic um, expectations of if you're taking CBD for anxiety, what is it helping with? Like the fact that it helps with that cyclical thinking that like, you can't put this problem down. You can't get it out of your head. I suffer from that so much when I'm triggered. And to know that I could take something the same way that like when it gets really, really bad, I take Xanax. I would love to have that middle barrier where I take this kind of marijuana derived CBD as the first precautionary step before I go to Xanax. I want to try I was just sorry. When you said cyclical thinking, I started thinking about how I cannot like Adam Todd Brown is an asshole because his story, his Google was so gross and he purposefully made it grosser as we went on that I can't like, it won't leave my head. And I know he did that on purpose, but I'm trying to control that. I wonder if CBD would take it away. Can you watch like a horror movie? Like something that's more awful? I know I should. Cause like literally it was just one thing. I could handle all of it. There was one thing he said that I deleted out of the five minute one. Yeah, no, I know what you're gonna say too. Yeah, and I'm not I, going yeah. to say. I'm not going to say it. And if no you're, one. you get the full, full, gory yeah, if you details. Get our extend, on if you our get our Patreon. extended Googles, you 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 can get grossed out um, by Adam Todd <laughs> Brown's uh, Google. But yeah, you know what's interesting? Like, I'm a pretty, I can handle most gross stuff for the most part because my parents are vets, and my mom literally used to cook dinner with like cat blood on her and stuff. But yeah, yeah but like poop talk like I just can't like I just like I can handle a little bit of it it wasn't poop though no no no, no, but I'm saying where my level is oh and then same thing with like I don't know do you ever watch like pimple popping videos no fucking no that's so disgusting I'm so So, grossed out by it I love popping my own blackheads yeah that's very satisfying um (laughs) sometimes Sometimes, like if it's like, sometimes it's satisfying and sometimes it ruins my day. And I d- actually don't understand You watch why. them? No, sometimes I'm like, like a little ASMR kind of like, I, I'm drawn to it and it, it's weirdly like satisfying. And then sometimes I'm like, ah! but it's like, there's like, <laughs> oh, God. there's like this very fine line between satisfying and I'm not going to be able to eat for a couple of hours. And I don't actually always understand where that line is. We have gotten completely off the topic. Gary, you're magical. Thank you. Thank you so much. You, we, we learned a lot from your, your, um, your, you didn't really write in, you, you voicemailed in, but we like that. So if, if you want to leave us voicemails, uh, you can do that at anchor.fm slash two dash non dash four doctors. Yes. Um, and thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Google. Yeah. Okay. I'm fascinating gonna, uh, Google. Well, then I'll just go first. So... <laughs> Uh-huh. I had so many health Googles this week. It was hard to choose, but this one happened just a few hours ago. So it's the most in my mind. Fresh. Fresh. My flatmate came back from going to the dentist and she was like, oh, like my dentist said my gums are receding. And I thought that only happened to smokers, but she recommended an ele- I have to get an electric toothbrush. And I was like, what do you mean you have to? And she was like, yeah, because I was going to ask for this for my birthday, but I have to ask my dad for an electric toothbrush. And I was like, why? And she was like, because she said like she was brushing too hard and so her gums were receding and I was like well how's an electric toothbrush going to be more gentle and she was like well this tells you when when you're brushing too hard it'll alert you and I was like this doesn't sound right and I was like I bet she gets a kickback from because she was like oral b (laughs) yeah and I was like I'm sure she gets gets a kickback she gets a kickback and she was like, do you think? And I was like, a hundred percent. I was like, let me see. Like, she was like, she recommended me this, pulls out a piece of paper. It's not written down handwriting. And by the way, if you're a dentist, just write it in handwriting. And it looks like more like from you, but she yeah, had an she actual gave, like, printed out, like all the different types of toothpaste listed and then little box to check. And so she, I was like, where do you think she even got this flyer? <laughs> like yeah. they've obviously giving her money for, yeah. for um, doing that. So I just, I just Googled. Um, do dentists get money for recommending products? And the first, I mean, the first hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Doctors, um, doctors get kickbacks too from pharmaceuticals. Um, John Oliver had like a whole thing a couple of years ago where like 
they would get taken out to dinner or they would get like, they get gifts. You know what I mean? Like, like you would get a, like a vacation to blah, blah, blah. And like, they would take them out to dinner and they would sell them on products and stuff. Yeah. Also, I mean, same thing with cat food for my parents and stuff. Really? Like, I remember so clearly. I remember this so clearly. This is when like TVs were boxes, you know, when they were big boxes, yeah. it was in the nineties. And we had a little TV, probably the size of like a 13 inch um, computer or whatever. And it was in the kitchen. And my dad was so like, we weren't allowed to watch TV and da, 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 da. So there being a TV in the kitchen, I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, where'd we get this? And it was from Science Diet, which is the, 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 um, the stuff they sell. And he said they, that they bought enough and that's how they got it. Like you, if you put in enough, whatever. But like, why are they giving you gifts for just purchasing what you're supposed to purchase? So it's just like a little like, shady yeah I remember asking my psychiatrist for Ritalin he was like what about Adderall I think it would be better for you and I was like I've taken Ritalin before and it really like made me concentrate and he was like yeah but I think Adderall would be really good for you I was like can you just put me on Ritalin <laughs> but like yeah. and I, I just know that um he was really trying to push Adderall for some reason but yeah that's but I didn't think I knew dentists like kind of they're like worse than mechanics like I oh, wanted yeah. to get I wanted to get my teeth cleaned in LA that's all I wanted is covered by my insurance and I should have been able to do it and they were like we have to clean your gums like a deep cleaning and I was like no no no, that's okay I just want my teeth cleaned they were like we can't actually work on you until you get this deep cleaning the deep cleaning wasn't covered so I had to pay like five hundred dollars for this deep cleaning on credit yeah <laughs> because they wouldn't do the cleaning cleaning um, shit. yeah and also like Okay, let's say I don't know how much a cleaning is because I even talked to my mom recently. I was like, how much? Is, like, I was like, I haven't got my teeth cleaned in like years. Um, I just got like, mine cleaned. She didn't floss. I was like, what? All right. What you, okay. What are you doing? Um, um, I, I come to you so you floss my teeth. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to be so rich that someone just comes over to floss. Every yeah, every, every That's night. That's all they do. Like, oh, you had, a, you had a spinach salad. This is crazy. Um, but yeah, I haven't gotten it done in years and I'm even more scared to go to the dentist because the last time I went was because I had pain and I ended up having two root canals. So now all I oh, think yeah. is every time I go to the dentist, they're going to find something. So I haven't gone in years, but okay. Let's just say a tooth, teeth cleaning because I don't think my insurance covers it. Let's just say it's $200. The, the way it works is if my insurance does cover it and it's $200, they don't get $200. They get whatever my insurance negotiated that they think that's worth. So they might only get $130 because my insurance has decided market value of a teeth cleaning is 130, even though everybody else is charged 200. So that's why they want to try to sell you stuff that your insurance doesn't cover so that they can get the full 500 because they're not getting the full 200 of whatever the thing is. It's oh, just wow. garbage. You're like, well, these middlemen are just that's the reason that we, everything we pay for is so astronomically more. And then if you don't have insurance, why it's even fucking more than that. That's crazy. And plus anyway. the also making her feel bad for like not knowing how much pressure to put on her gums. Like it will tell you since you can't figure it out yourself. <laughs> like also my gums have been receding for years. So I didn't, I didn't even know that was like a smoker thing. I don't smoke. Um, also nobody's ever told me that it's my toothbrush issue or whatever I think they just said it's like certain people like it's a thing that happens when you get older like that's what I was told is that you're yeah that's what I thought it was it's just you get older you guys are yeah I'm not saying there's not things that can't push it forward and and make it exacerbate the problem but I was always told as you get older your gums recede and that you know gum health is important but then I've always I use like like hippie tooth toothpaste because my gums get inflamed from regular toothpaste yeah was a weird stop <laughs> um so so <laughs> also did you find out that this toothbrush is as magical as he was letting it on to be or she was letting it on to be it's or just you... an expensive toothbrush like I just I, it was like the Oral-B Pro or something I guess there's no way to know if she bought the toothbrush so it's not like you get she gets a kickback from individual sales so she must have just gotten some money and promised to I don't know how it works yeah that is interesting just by pushing it, they might get some kind of kickback. I, I have zero doubts they get a kickback. Zero yeah. doubts. And Plus, then I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about like how their dentist recommended a $200 toothbrush. And he was like, what the fuck? Um, I'm, I'm sorry. A toothbrush is $2. It's $2. <laughs> it is $2. 
It's insane to me that like there's industries that are solving non-problems with, with, with mechanics. Like it's just, that's, I just, they're like, Hey, you know, this thing that isn't a problem, we're going to make it a problem. And then we're going to charge you an astronomical amount of money to solve a thing. That's not there. I also, I just don't trust dentists. I'm just, Oh my God. Can I tell you the funniest story that is relatable? Sure. So my mom, Dr. Terry, the best, she's doing, um, uh, we should bring her on for the vaccination clinics because she's been vaccinating people. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, she's been doing it every Friday for, I think, over a month now. And then, um, and she says on the tier of people, so like the volunteers and everything, you know, it's like doctors, nurses, retired doctors, retired nurses, EMTs, da 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 veterinarians there's not even a thing like she writes it in and and like she was all excited she's like they're accepting veterinarians and I was like they must be desperate like I was like so she was so excited my dad did it like whatever whatever and so um but the thing is is like so you have to wait uh, you know for anybody that hasn't gotten vaccinated you wait you get vaccinated and you have to sit and wait 15 minutes to make sure that nothing happens because there's people that have anaphylactic shock and stuff like that so you wait for 15 minutes but those people that are waiting need to know like need to know stuff like Heimlich or like they have to know some medical stuff and they brought my dad up and and they thought my dad was like a doctor and then he was like he they were explaining all the stuff he has to do just in case things go wrong and he's like oh I don't know how to do that and she looked at him crazy he's like I'm a veterinarian and she's like you'll figure it out like <laughs> I was like you'll figure it out anyway fast forward my parents went to this dentist um he's like he's not related to us but I guess I found out recently I was like why do we know this doctor like because we've gone to him like our entire lives um, she was like, oh, your dad's grandmother lived next to his grandmother. And that's why we see, that's why we've seen this dentist forever. Like it's like a, like a long-term family thing. Mm. Anyway, she goes to make a joke. She goes, she, she's like, literally like, oh, what have you been doing? She's like, oh, I'm retired, but I'm doing this vaccination clinic. She's like, it's so funny. She's just like, she was just like, they even accept veterinarians and dentists and we don't know what we're doing. And she's making this joke and he did not laugh. Like he did not think it was funny that she was making this like, we're, we're worthless as medical professionals. And he did not enjoy it. And she was like, she was like, Liz, it was the longest, like the longest, like, I was like, oh my God, you bombed in front of our family dentist. She was like, I didn't know what to do. I thought it was funny, but he didn't find it funny. Cause I think he thinks we're, we have value. <laughs> my mom was like she was like it was so awkward and I don't think he likes us but he just takes care of us because he's known us for so long and I was like that seemed about right that's funny oh man um, my, mom bombed, my mom bombed hard at the dentist's office but every all his like dental assistants they're the funniest nicest people and that's, that's what makes they it. didn't make me stay for 15 minutes after they just sort of just like pushed me out <laughs> fucking worst experience uh it was fine I'm fine um, okay. Um, oh, my Google. Somewhat related. Uh, what do COVID nails look like? So out of nowhere, you know how like news pops up into your phone? This phenomenon called COVID nails popped up. And I was like, what? First of all, I read the article and the picture like wasn't good enough. So I ended up having to Google. That's where the full Google comes from. I had to Google, what does it actually look like? And I'm, I'm on the fence of if I have it excuse me, I'm on the fence if I have it or not, because I'm so convinced I had it in February before I came to Europe. Uh, I'm on the fence if I had it or not. I feel like I had it in February as like the worst cold I've ever had, but you know, there's nothing to do, but also I'm kind of convinced I had it because I'm like, yes, I'm safe. I wash my hands. I wear a mask. I've done everything, but I'm just a little more out there than most people. And I was in the epicenter that I just, I feel like I had this, I already had it protection as opposed to, I'm just so you know, taking care, like I take care of myself so well. Anyway, it's a medical term called uh, line B-E-A-U, line B-E-A-U is bow. Bow, bow line. And so basically when you have a major uh, physiological, sorry, I sometimes have to stare at words to remember how to say them. <laughs> when you have a major, uh, physiological stress like an illness you can basically have a shifting of the nail cycle and usually it happens to all the nails not just like one nail so it'll affect all your nails and maybe your and maybe your toenails but usually your nails and it's usually two to three months after this illness that it starts to show up and it's a groove that runs horizontal across your nail plate 
and can look like ridges, grooves, or indentations. They basically say it's nothing to worry about. All it is is a sign that your body went through something. Huh. So, That's nuts. so you so have this that? Is, so this is the thing. I I have a slight groove. Like it's not so there's two different like I've seen a like they basically when I googled it there was tons of not tons there's probably like 10 pictures some of them were like really like it looked like the nail was fucked but mine is just like kind of like a slight indentation the other thing is I don't know if you can see this do you see over the white part that there it's like a little bit darker like it's a darker hue a little bit it sounds crazy but I noticed it a couple months ago and I was like was my nails always like that? Like, I don't remember there being a dark hue in my nail bed and it's been there for a couple of months. So that's what happened is I saw the nail thing and I was like, oh, maybe it's that weird dark hue that showed up. But what they're saying is it's the indentation and I do have slight indentation. But then the other thing you have to remember is girls know this, you know, when you paint your nails too much and you let them grow out, it creates ridges in your nails. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, especially my toenails because like, you know how the toenails don't chip when you paint them? So you leave them on longer. So yeah. then it grows with the nail polish and it can kind of make like, almost like, you know how um, black people that wear the do-rag to make the waves in their hair? Yeah. It almost looks like that on your nails because you're, you're, you paint your nails, it grows out, you take it off. You paint your nails, it grows out. To, and so then you create these ridges, like these waves in your nails. So hmm. I'm very aware to like give my nails a rest so I don't have those ridges. But during quarantine, I got back into painting my nails like I was in middle school again. So that's the other thing is like, is this a an actual ridge or is this because I was painting my nails a shit ton? I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm gonna look up COVID <laughs> I don't like, I don't like my nail, like my nails are perfect. Um, let's see, COVID okay. nails. Am I gonna good. be grossed out if I look up no, COVID No, no, it's nails? not gross. It's, it's not, there's nothing gross about it. It's basically showing that some people ha have this. And basically what I, and this is kind of interesting. It's just saying that when you go through an extreme illness, it's your body, it messes up with the nail growing cycle and it just creates these like ridges or grooves. It was, okay. like, that's why I looked oh. up. The, yeah. yeah. All right. They're not that bad. It's fascinating. So, it is fascinating though, because, you know, they keep coming out with these long, long-term effects of COVID. Clearly this is not a big deal at all. But it was basically them saying like, you could have had it and not known it because it clearly threw your body off. So I've always thought I had it in February. It would be crazy if I didn't considering it was like in New York City in December and we were the epicenter. But as, as everybody knows from this podcast, very obsessed with my nails and I found it interesting. And I That's learned really something about how your nails grow. That is, I had no idea. There's one more thing I'm gonna just start looking for all the time but um, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for your show and tell Google. Um, uh, you ready for let's get personal? Yes. I did not realize this when I wrote it, but it goes really into our topic. So oh. I'm pretty proud of myself. Do you think people change? Um, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes and no. I believe there are parts of you that are just, this is it. The same way, like, and I think any parent feels this way. And, you know, as a, someone that raised children, you, you're almost shocked that little kids have their personality so young. Yeah. Like Sammy, Sammy and Greg, like, I remember them as babies. I remember them as toddlers. I remember them. Like when you think of yourself, like you don't remember who you were when you were three, but like, to watch somebody grow up is to see that they were this level of silly or this level of weird or this level of courteous. Like there's things that were so innate about my brothers that now that they're in their mid twenties, I'm like, that's always been there. Sam has always been a sweet boy. Like he's always been really funny and silly. And Greg has always been like, just like independent. And like the same way your genetics are like, you're gonna have brown eyes and you're gonna be this height and you know, there's things you can't change. I do think there's parts of you that are just, they're just in there. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's developed and I don't think that changes. That being said, and it, this goes back to the nature versus nurture thing. That being said, trauma can make you different. Um, um, uh, different education can make you uh, uh, different. The people who raised you can make you different. Like, so I have this joke in my act where, you know, I say my, 
you know, how I got through therapy, like what got me into therapy and why I do therapy. And I go, if you don't know anything about therapy, I'll explain my journey. In my mid twenties, I came to the conclusion that my parents didn't finish the job and I was going to have to pay out of pocket for someone to raise me. And like, there is a part of me that feels like I've been unparenting or reparenting myself the last nine or so years. And that who I was 10 years ago is a shadow of the person I am now. But what I've learned is I still have the reactions that I had when I was younger, but they're quicker. I don't truly uh, go through the motions of them. I know how to calm myself. I know how to self-soothe myself. So like in some ways I'm like, I change because I'm not having the guttural, um, I'm not having the side effects of the reaction that I used to, but I still have the reaction. And I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm ever going to not have the reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause there are, I mean, there are like, I'm definitely different than I was 10 years ago. Um, but there are yeah, aspects of my personality. I remember being a child and being like that. And I think I had a Google once, like, can you change your personality? I don't remember what the answer was <laughs> to go back and listen. I know from interacting with others, there are some people I don't even feel like, even if I talk to them, would change their, like how they view situations, right? Like if they perceive themselves to be um, in every situation, the victim, and I need to stick up for myself. And then, and I'm seeing this as like, we, you're just aggressive. And they're like, no, I'm a victim sticking up for myself. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think you can be like, well, this is how it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then have them be like, oh, you're right. Maybe I'm like that. Maybe they, but I feel like as somebody that always played the victim when they were younger, I don't, I can, I still can get into that habit, but I'm most likely more to see the bigger picture of it. It's cause to me, playing the victim is trauma. So I think you can fix trauma and I think you can um, grow from trauma. And I think there's can be positivities to, to, to trauma making you grow as a person. I was talking about how I got into therapy with a friend who's having a hard time right now. And I remember being not okay when I was probably like 23, 24. And it was my boyfriend at the time and my friend Amanda that were like, you're not okay, you need to go to therapy. And I was anti-therapy. I was anti, like I, it hurt just to hear that. Like I couldn't reach it. But something in me was like, if my two favorite people are telling me I have to go, then maybe I should go. And what is that? What is that? What is that? Like as somebody that was on such a bad path and was so not okay and couldn't hear any criticism and all these things that made me toxic to other people and to myself, where did this little blip of change and the openness to change come from? Because you describe this victim person and they never can kind of see it, but is it they have to reach an emotional bottom? Do they have to reach you know, an alcoholic bottom? Do they have to have something even worse happen to them? Do they have to lose a parent? Like, what is the catalyst to change? Because I think people can change, but there needs to be some openness, something happened to be open to change because you can't change somebody that doesn't want to change. Ah, that's what I think I was getting at. It's like, I don't think there's that that want. I think for me, and I think I've had bad habits in the past too. And if people point them out to me, I am open to going, oh, and looking at myself and saying, yeah, I do do that. And that that is pretty shit. And like, I've tried to change a lot about the way I react to people or whatever, whatever the problem is. I don't know. I get, it's so hard for me to speak generally. Like I need to like speak in like actual situations, but I think I have changed a lot in the past 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think we both have. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's a, it's a slower process than anybody really wants to admit. I would say my first initial like change took years and then it just kind of built on itself and it's slowly happening. And then sometimes you feel like you go backwards and then you go forwards again. And there, I, I, you know, you're always kind of, I always say I'm refurbished. You know what I mean? Just the same way you have a refurbished iPhone. You're like, it functions well, but it's been through some stuff and it's yeah. not going to be as great as brand new. Um, but I do feel refurbished. I do feel like I fix some things and I do feel that even if that, cause you know me, I, I go from, from zero to anger very quickly. I don't know if that's going to change, but I don't set fires the way I used to set fires. I don't have my day ruined the way my day used to be ruined. I don't feel I need a pity party or, or, or all this attention the way I used to need attention. I get stressed. Like I had a stressful weekend this weekend, but and I could tell and I could identify that I was stressed 
and I allowed myself to eat ice cream and I allowed myself to talk to friends, which I think is a right process. And I allowed myself to just be not okay. As opposed to, I think if my stressful weekend had happened years ago, it would have been, I would still just not be right in the head. And I would still be like blaming myself or blaming other people or, or just blowing up the situation bigger than it needs to be. Do you I think hope- that people are born bad, like just, just bad people. I don't, cause it's hard because like you hear about some of these evil people and their family's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, that's not fair to blame them. But like, you know, not everybody's childhood trauma is their parents' fault. You know, stuff happens at daycare, stuff happens at school, stuff happens when, you know, somebody else is watching them. Um, It's not always a parent's fault and under a parent's control that something, but I do think things that happen in your childhood does have lasting effects, especially if untreated. And then, like I said, I do think there's stuff inside you that's just there and, and I it can be possible, but is there like a, a murder gene? I think you my know? irritability, I think my irritability comes from my dad. Like it's just always there and it will always be there. <laughs> I'm just going to be an irritable person. Yeah. And I think that's okay. But I think it's also my, your irritability is no one else's problem. So how do you deal with your irritability so that when you're irritable, it, you don't, you know, throw everybody off and like, you know what I mean? Like this is not the same thing, but like I get hangry. Like I get really hangry. And I yeah. And, and I remember that being a problem with an ex like years ago. And now I, I have snacks and now I can be like, Hey, I'm really, I'm, I'm getting hangry. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling great. Like I can, I can voice it so that people don't take how I'm reacting personally, or I pull away. So I'm not even reacting at all. And then I was dating my ex and he, I'm like, you're almost 40, eat a snack. Like at some point, you have to acknowledge that this is something that can be regulated. You have access to food, fucking do something about it. And that's where I get the impatience is, is that your growth is your responsibility and it can be done, but it takes work and it takes acknowledgement and it takes um, uh, awareness. And it's really hard to be around somebody that you're like, your lack of growth affects me. Yeah. I do think people can change. Uh, sponsor time. Yeah. Sponsor. Um, uh, Curious Elixirs is our sponsor again. As you know, they make uh, um, booze-free beverages. It's so weird as somebody that doesn't drink to reintroduce like a night beverage. I'm a seltzer person now. It just kind of slowly happened. Um, but I, I'm starting to like get into having like my little my little beverages. So I really got into the, the pomegranate bitter orange. It's the number one that uh, Curious Elixirs has. I don't even know how to describe it as much as it's just like, it's just soothing. Just <laughs> me. I'm just like, I have my dinner, I have a little snack. And then I'm like watching something in bed and I have my little, I have my little beverage. I think I like the habit of it, but I also think I just like, like, it's like, um, we talked about aptogens. I don't even know how to say that word, but adaptogens. You're like, adaptogens. I was like, is it the adaptogens? Like, I feel calm. I feel, I feel chill. I, and, and not that anybody's over when I'm having these, but there is something where I'm just like, I wish these were at bars. So like, cause it's always like, people always try to buy you drinks. And if you could just be like, oh, I got mine, got my drink. I don't need you to buy me. I got mine totally drunk right now, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it is, it's like, I feel like I'm starting like a new habit and it's like exciting to me. But I, that, I would say number one with, with all my research, I would say number one, the pomegranate bitter orange is my favorite. Uh, amazing. They are booze-free, sophisticated, made with organic ingredients, uh, no added sugars, and, and they are infused with adaptogens, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you go to CuriousElixirs.com and use the promo code 2NONDRS, you get a free bottle with any purchase of $50 or more. And I'll spell that for you. It's C-U-R-I-O-U-S-E-L-I-X-I-R-S.com, promo code 2NONDRS. DRS. Yay. Yeah. Thanks, Curious Elixirs. You ready? You ready for the topic? Ready for the topic. I am so proud of our let's get personal because it goes right into it. Um, our topic is emotional intelligence, um, also known as EQ. And I was like, what the hell does EQ mean? Because I know they do IQ for like smarty pants, but it says emotional quote quotient. Q-U-O-T-I-E-N-T. Quotient. Does that sound right? Q-U-O-T-I quotient quotient. Uh, I don't know what that word means. 
don't know what that means. I'll give the definition and then we'll kind of go into it just in case people don't know what uh, emotional intelligence is. It's the capacity to be aware of, control, express one's emotions and to, ha to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously, judiciously and empathetically. I started reading emotional intelligence books. My dad gave me one. I want to say like eight years ago. Cause like the, the trajectory of my dad book giving was like self-help books, self-help books that are about making money, self-help books about not having emotions, self-help books about controlling your emotions. And then eventually spiritual enlightenment that you just <laughs> read, but is your dad American psycho. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my dad, you know, I've, I've grown to really understand my dad and, and, and through understanding my dad, understanding myself, which is that he had strong emotions. He didn't feel like he could express. So he's always been in a constant place of how do I control them? And what's interesting is I don't like the word control your emotions, but as much as regulate, like I think regulate your emotions is a much healthier word than control because it was very toxic in my, in my, and I think it can be misinterpreted, which is like, you know, if you don't cry, you're controlling your emotions. I don't think that's right. I think if you process your emotions and go through the, the act of them, it's much healthier, healthier than suppressing or ignoring. But I probably read like three books on emotional intelligence in our self-help uh, book dump. I think I, I listed some of them, but have you read anything on emotional intelligence specifically? No. <laughs> I'm a weak partner in this, but I do feel like I have emotional intelligence. Oh, absolutely. But like, is that, is that a word or phrase that you've come across over the last couple of years and there was a curiosity about it? Do you feel like it just went into the zeitgeist and you were like, yeah, I have that. Like, what's your relationship to that phrase, emotional intelligence? Um, I've heard it before, but not a lot. And it was not so much that I find like the concept annoying and then I really think of artificial intelligence when I hear emotional intelligence and that's different. So if somebody asks me if I'm smart, I'll be like, well, I think I'm like with emotional intelligence I am, but with books, no, Yeah, that's it. That's all I know about it. I don't really have much um, so, knowledge so of it. It's interesting because if you think of it, like I've always thought of intelligence in a couple of different ways. You have IQ, which is this like measurable uh, uh, intelligence that is so wishy-washy because you know, you take an IQ test, which very much factors in your education, and that's not fair. And there's so many studies out there that say if you don't measure that and you give everybody the same opportunities, it really, it kind of doesn't fully matter. Yes, there's people that are just naturally more intelligent, but really it's about access to knowledge and, and uh, uh, um, being able to have access to it and, and, and have the right resources. Then there's emotional intelligence, which I absolutely think is taught, should be taught in schools and is again, something that can grow and get better and has, uh, they really believe it's the most important thing and getting hired, having a good working relationship, having good friendship, having, uh, you know, a good, um, romantic relationship. Like it's literally in every aspect of your life, the most important thing. And then of course, we've talked about creative intelligence. So, you know, where I think we kind of excel is problem solving, creativity, uh, adaptability, which all is also survival in this modern era of things are constantly changing because of the internet, because of resources, what have you. So are all of them important? IQ, EQ, and creative intelligence? Absolutely. But this belief that if you have IQ, you are completely set up for survival and uh, success is, I think, extremely flawed. And more and more is coming out over the years that EQ, emotional intelligence, is actually probably the most important thing you can in instill in people. And none of it, none of it is in school. None of it. Like, yeah. And I feel like I've learned more about it in books the last 10 years than I ever learned. And I think my emotional health and my ability to connect with people has been because I've put more emphasis on that in my life. But I've always thought that um, it was being good at reading people, but like I'm taking a quiz and the first uh, question is, are you good at, um, are you aware of your own feelings? I agree with that. I didn't realize that that was like, is it's just like, being able to read yourself as well. So it's basically like therapy. Therapy helps you be emotionally intelligent. In some capacities, absolutely. But like therapy makes you understand yourself. I think emotional intelligence helps you because like empathy is really like, okay, so the five components is self-awareness, 
self-regulation, which is what I was talking about earlier, which is, is, okay, I'm really upset. How do I process these emotions? How do I take care of them? How do I not, you know, put the, make my emotions your problem? Then it's motivation, empathy, and social skills. Signs of a high EQ can handle criticism without denial, blame, excuses, or anxiety. That last one seems a little aggressive. Um, some time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No anxiety. I don't. Uh, open-minded, good listener, doesn't sugar. They don't sugarcoat the truth. That seems a little wishy-washy. Um, and then they apologize when they're wrong. I apologize when I'm not wrong. So I feel like is that like extra? <laughs> like, do I have extra EQ? <laughs> but like, I find some of these things on the list and some of these signs of having like a high EQ. Like, I can go through the motions of when I didn't have this. Like could not handle criticism in any capacity. I would often, like, if you criticize me, I would just sink into a pity party, blame myself, beat myself up. If that wasn't the process, I would blame. Even if I didn't go like, you don't fucking, in my head, I'm like, you don't fucking know. Like, could not handle, and, and like criticism that wasn't even a big deal, I couldn't handle. Anything that was pointed in my direction as I wasn't perfect or I wasn't uh, appreciated, I fell apart, just fell apart. So even just the ability to take criticism, regulate my emotions during criticism, not take them on personally, not blame others is, I think, honestly, like 70% of it. I've been trying to get better at not taking everything defense, like being defensive at like whatever Johnny says to me. And I'm just, apparently I get very defensive. And I, I, he's like, I've said this before. He's like, I feel like I'm tossing you a ball and you're like going like yeah. that. You know, I, I don't know anyone who's really good at that. I feel like that's something that like you're made aware of in therapy and given the tools to handle, but I don't know anyone who just takes everything on board. Like, I see what you're saying. Um, okay. <laughs> like, you know, what it I mean? also depends where you're getting it from. Like you're, if somebody's, if your parents are criticizing you, your, 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 your partner's criticizing you, a friend's criticizing you, that holds way more weight than some dude on the street that you're never going to see again, criticizing you. Or yeah. like a YouTube comment or, you know, you're like some, an, uh, a person on staff that you don't even care about. Like it's, I, it also is like, where's the criticism coming from? Also, is this a pain point for you? If somebody's criticizing your art, something that you care about and you work your ass off, it's very different if somebody criticizes how you're dressed and you're like, dude, I'm, I'm literally doing laundry. Like, I'm clearly not, I don't give a fuck that you don't like the way I'm dressed. I'm, I'm in sweats. Like. So it's yeah, like context that would still break my heart. <laughs> I look hot in sweats, but like context and relationships absolutely matter and, and who's distributing the criticism and what have you. But like, yes, I've learned a lot of this in therapy. Um, I couldn't even identify my emotions, let alone regulate my emotions, let alone process my emotions. So all of that's taken years. And then through just being able to do that one part, and even having the awareness that that is something I'm not good at. And that's something that is causing pain for myself and the people around me and making it so people can't be close to me. Because if you can't, and we're not saying mean criticism, but if somebody can't say, correct you, like, let's say every time you called me um, and how this, this is going to make you laugh. I talked over you and I didn't <laughs> let you speak. What? That's mm. so, what's this example what, I have no idea this? what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, hey, you know, you never let me speak. And, you know, it makes me feel like you don't value what I'm saying. And my thought is, well, like you should speak up more or you, that's not my problem or, uh, you know, whatever. You're never going to approach me again to say when your feelings are hurt or where you feel un and it's going to make us further apart. You know what I mean? As opposed to if you feel open enough to say when I've hurt you, whether intentionally and unintentionally, and I hear you and I make an effort, then the next time there's a problem, again, intentional, unintentional, you can say something and you're not scared. And then the more repeated that process happens and the more that it, it is resolved and isn't a scary process, the more that we can speak without fear and the closer that we can become. And I would like to think that's our friendship and we do the best we can and you know, what have you. And now we kind of do it in a funny way where you're like, Liz, shut up. And I'm like, it's correct. You are you are correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm an asshole in your reenactment. <laughs> no, but like there's, it, you know, if the first time you said something I didn't like doing, you said it in a shitty way, I don't know if I would have been open to taking it. Correct. Yeah. So I, I'm, I remember, 
I flat out remember Nitika, who was one of our guests um, on season one. She's probably like my girliest friend. I think she was the first person, maybe the second person that was in therapy. She really helped me along that journey and stuff. And I remember very early into our friendship, I was my dad. She called me. She was upset about something. And I gave her advice. And after maybe like the third time I did that, she was like, hey, can I say something? And I was like, sure. She goes, when I call, I don't want advice. I just want you to listen. And I'm not saying your advice isn't good, but that's not what I want. So I have two things to say to that. Um, yeah. A, do you remember White Men Can't Jump? I'm sure like I saw it when I was Rosie Perez and um, Woody Harrelson there in bed. She's like, when, baby, when I say I want water, I don't want you to go up and get me water. I want you to know what it feels like to want water too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or I'm thirsty or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. Is, doesn't she have the same therapist as you? Yeah, now, but at the time. <laughs> oh, at not the at time. the time. Oh, no, no, not <laughs> at the like, time at all. This woman is making yeah, yeah, yeah. communication yeah. better across Brooklyn. Yeah, but like at the same time, like I, I didn't even realize that's what I wanted. So I'm out doing stuff like, so like now I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want most of the time. Like sometimes, yeah, advice and I'll even be like, Maria, what do I do? But most of the time, like, and now I can say that, hey, I had a bad day. Can I vent? And you'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, I'm just going to yell at you for 10 minutes. And you're like, I got you. But like, it was even fascinating that through her telling me that, yes, I became a better friend, but even more so I learned something about myself. I hate when my dad gives me advice. I hate when people give me advice. Most of the time I'm just upset and I want to just be like, just release it. Yeah. But like, that's where that ability to be open and communicate with somebody by not being defensive, by not taking that personally, by learning a lesson, I learned something about my friend and became closer. But then I also learned something about how to soothe and help myself. It was one of the most important life lessons I made to being a good friend and understanding myself. You're the only friend I feel comfortable talking to. <laughs> oh no, I don't want that. I want more that's friends not, that you're comfortable that's with. That's not true. I, but you know, like, I know that if I have an issue with you, I can, I can talk to you about it and you'll receive it openly and without getting defensive and, and making me feel bad. Not like, you know, I just know that I can talk to you. Um, yeah. I don't know that with a lot of people. Yeah. And it takes time to build that trust. I, I think that everything from like building this emotional talent, understanding my feelings, being able to communicate my feelings, draw, building strong bonds took forever. Also, we were friends in our early 20s when I had none of these skills and I was a fucking mess. I'm always shocked with my friends from high school and college and right after college, really anybody I've met before I was 28, that they were able to, I was able to be close with them and I was able to go through this process with them because I wasn't reachable. I didn't understand my emotions. I was just erratic uh, in, in my feelings and how I reacted to stuff. So I give a lot of credit to my friends that were there for me when I wasn't my best, but even the ones that I've been able to grow with, like I'm so grateful that I've been able to grow with so many of the people in my life. But I do think if I had not grown, I would have lost a lot of you guys because it becomes exhausting and it becomes, and it does push people away. And I think it really is one of the most important skills and it's just not taught at all. I would, yeah, I would love it if they taught that in school. Um, some interesting facts. You know, I okay. love my facts. It was introduced in the 90s. I always just think everything started in the 60s. I don't know why, but this was introduced in the 90s by Peter Salavoy. I don't know how to say his name. When you picture the 90s, you picture like like fuck ups with that, like acid wash jeans and <laughs> tie-dye t-shirts yeah, and stuff. This guy, you don't yeah, picture this, anybody doing anything of value in the 90s. I just think everything in the 90s was wrong. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I don't know, maybe maybe because that's where I grew up. Um, you know what I mean? I'm just like, didn't process good people. They basically, a, a lot of the issues with emotional uh, intelligence is that it can't be measured. But I want to be like, people measure IQ and they're wrong. And also IQ doesn't correlate into um, uh, success, both in a social way or in a financial way. So fuck off that you can't accurately measure it. It's, it's, I hate that everything has to be measured to be valued. You know, that's some of the, the issues with it. They haven't found a thing that measures it well. Like we said, I absolutely think it should be taught in schools. Um, I believe 
fully that it can be taught. It's a form of parenting, but it can be a form of adult parenting, like it's or or therapy or or reparenting or whatever. Like when it happens isn't fully important, but just like learning a language, just like learning math, just like anything, clearly the younger you learn it, the healthier you can be to the point where if somebody has a bad home life, they don't have a great upbringing. If it's taught in schools, you now have probably less school shootings. You have less kids doing outbursts, maybe less kids doing drugs, kids that have stronger relationships, kids that have a support system, even if they don't have it at home. It's just upsetting that this could be um, life-changing for especially Americans, our community, where we have so many kids. And this kind of probably goes back to male depression and, and even just you know regular depression, this inability to communicate and understand our feelings. And if it was even taught on a basic level, the same way that we teach social studies, it could be earth shattering in our communities. And we don't, we don't do anything on it. Well, we need somebody like with emotional intelligence to teach it where you can find that really. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. If- so I would love to, I would love to hear from people. I would love to hear about, um, um, where you feel like you learned emotional intelligence, where you feel like uh, it's taught maybe in your community. Um, Just write to us at (laughs) two non-DRS. No, it's actually doctors, forward doctors this time. Two non-forward doctors at gmail.com. And we'll see you enthusiasm. Yeah. Bye. Bye. didn't process good people.